episode of Inside the Oval. This week, I'm joined by manager of fan engagement, Nick Clark. Nick, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. Uh, I heard a little tease over the summer that this might be a thing that the organization starts to do, and I'm excited to share and obviously learn more about other folks around the organization as well, because even though we work together, it's fun to kind of see how the sausage is made. We are filming this right before week one kickoff, and it's going to air right after week one, but you're a lifelong 49ers fan, right? So how are you feeling about the start of the season? Yeah, so I am, I'm faithful to the Bay. I'm from, I grew up, born in California, grew up in the Bay Area, South Bay mostly, went to school in San Francisco. So um, I'm, I've been here. I'm super excited. It's, you know, it's one of those weird things with this year is that you're kind of pushing, you know, closer to 2021. Hopefully it's better than you're like, wait a minute, we, we've got a really good football team coming off a Super Bowl appearance. Like, let's, Let's fast forward to September and then let's ride this thing as slow as we can. Let's enjoy every second of this football team because hopefully it's going to be pretty special. Yeah. You mentioned you went to school in San Francisco. Did you want to work in sports? Did you go to school to work in sports? That's a good question. It's a, it's kind of a funny story. So growing up, I've always loved uh, movies. I've always enjoyed just the entertainment side of the world. And I went into San Francisco State. A lot of people like to call it the Harvard of the West as a cinema major and sort of figured out pretty quickly that I enjoyed sort of the uh, skeleton of what it was to be able to interact with people, be able to create different experiences. But then uh, throughout high school and throughout my life, I played various sports and sort of and was raised a Bay Area sports fan. So I kept finding myself more interested in that. And the way San Francisco State works is they have the cinema program and then they have the BECA program, which stands for Broadcasting Electronic Communication Arts. And they sort of mirror each other, but one obviously goes more towards the artsy side and one sort of leans more towards the broadcast, whether that be uh, entertainment world or in our case, the sports world. So kind of went into that and then Found myself interning with NBC Sports Bay Area. Thought, you know, the entertainment slash broadcast world, but in the realm of sports was where I was headed. And uh, through various internships, sort of fell in love with the grassroots marketing side of things and uh, more internships and more internships and sort of found my way into the 49ers in year two of Levi Stadium and have been fortunate enough to, to stick around. And you started, one of those internships was with the 49ers, right? You started here and kind of built your way up. Yeah, so as soon as I graduated from San Francisco State in 2015, um, like I said, it was year two of Levi Stadium, so there's all these new positions. You know, you kind of get through year one of a new building and sort of a transition year for the organization overall, and it's like, okay, well, what can we do to make year two easier and more efficient? So all these job openings were popping up, and I actually interviewed for uh, an internship, was a finalist, went all the way, did all the group interviews, the panel interviews, and then you get that kind of crushing blow of like, actually, we're going to go in a different direction. But yeah, <laughs> we would like you to apply for this other internship that we have going on. We think uh, you'd be a great fit with, with Tori on our marketing team. And why don't you check that out? And I said, well, all right, let's 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 see what this is like. And went through there, did get the position there, interned as the uh, marketing and fan engagements and even some retail marketing intern for my first two seasons before got that opportunity to come on full-time and became the first coordinator of fan engagement. And here we are now. As now the manager of fan engagement, what would you say your main responsibilities are? What's I know no two days are the same, but what's your day-to-day? Yeah, uh, definitely starting out in the sports industry, especially as an intern, day-to-day literally could be, there are no two days that are the same. Uh, but be, since becoming a manager, so I'll sort of list off the programming that we had for last year. We can touch on some of the new stuff that we have going on here, but the way our team works as far as fan engagement is we do a lot of our grassroots efforts. And um, while you can kind of look at, you know, a lot of people think that being the peak 
49ers fan as being that season ticket holder. And we love all of our, all of our season ticket holders. But ultimately, there's only 70,000 seats at Levi Stadium, and we've got millions of fans around the world. So how do we make sure that we're engaging all of them, whether they're a season ticket holder or if they don't have that opportunity? So we sort of take a – and it's sort of a funny expression, but it's a uh, cradle-to-grave mentality, and we try to fill in – as many opportunities for fans as possible. So it starts with the youngest faithful, uh, the 49ers crib club. We've it's from the time you're born to about three or four years old, uh, the young parents, new parents for 40, 49ers fans. Um, they can, you know, really get that certificate and prove, you know, my child was born a 49ers fan. They're born into the crib club. They've been wearing the onesie. They've got the bib. And then once you graduate out of there, you're, not a toddler anymore you've grown out of the crib and you can join the 49ers kids club and that's uh ages four to 14 it's a one-time cost to be able to participate in that we do events once a month during the season we've got some couple off-season things that we do get emails about all the opportunities basically within that age range so it could be a youth football camp it could be junior gold rush it could be all these different opportunities we like to just get the word out it could be something with our prep and edu teams as well so and then sort of the most exciting thing that comes with being a 49ers Kids Club Gold member is every home game we get to choose two kids to be our kickoff kid. They get two tickets to the game, two field passes, and it's probably one of the best-kept secrets that we're trying to tell people about is that we pick two kids for every game, and they get to run out onto the field right after opening kickoff of both halves. They get to stand on the sideline and you never know when a Joe Staley is going to come up and just give you a high five right before he goes to protect Jimmy on one of the best plays. And we've had, we had, I think one time we had, we ended up getting called back, but we did have a uh, 49ers return that went all the way into the end zone. And we were freaking out. We're like, Oh my God, what do we do? How do we send the kickoff kid? We've got 22 guys dancing all over and the other 53 on the sideline going crazy. Um, so it's a lot of fun and we get to really just create experiences for our youngest fans that are hopefully will leave a memory that lasts a lifetime and they'll want to become lifetime fans. So then we've got uh, some of our more demographic specific groups. So we've got Women of the Niners. Um, the Women's Club has been around since 2012, but we rebranded in 2017 and just really excited about where we've taken that group. You know, most people can recognize that there's all genders at every single football stadium, but for whatever reason, and then you look at the hard numbers and more than 50% of all purchases for NFL games, whether that be retail tickets, concessions, what have you are actually purchased by women. So they're showing up as more than 50% of our fan base. Why are we, why have they historically been ignored? And with 49ers, we've done a great job of not ignoring those fans, especially since we do have, uh, great women who are executives, and then obviously our ownership group have uh, amazing women as well. So what can we do to empower our fans who are women as well? We're hosting events. Um, it could be philanthropically inclined. They could be social. They could be fitness and just really get that stronger bond. And one of the things that was really disappointing about this year is that we were going to have our second annual uh, women's football clinic and the first one was so good we had our scouting team our coaching staff actually do some classroom stuff with the women who were in attendance and we got to take them onto the field at Levi Stadium we had our prep team and we had our actual team strength and conditioning group out there running with drills with all of our attendees and it was really cool and just excited to see it grow and hopefully 2021 we can get a little bit back to normal and be able to bring that event back but um, but there's that and then uh 49ers Pride we launched in 2019. There's no other organization in professional sports that does anything like this for LGBTQ plus fans and allies. And it's just an extremely cool resource that we can be to, again, empower our fans who maybe feel like they've been ignored by uh, the sports industry in general. And then specifically being in the Bay Area, making sure we, we, we've known for decades that we have fans in this community and we're letting people know directly we know you're a fan. We love that you're faithful. We want you to feel comfortable at all of our events and all of our games. And we're going to come to the Castro and have events at bars in the Castro. And we're going to be in San Francisco Pride and different opportunities like that. Um, 
for our fans that maybe don't live anywhere near the Bay Area, we have a couple of different programs. We've got our 49ers fan chapters. So worldwide, we've got over 300 clubs of fans who, you know, whether you're on, you're here in California and you're making a couple trips a year, but let's say you live in Redding or Fresno or Bakersfield and you can't make all the home games, but you still have a core group that you want to watch all your games with, have raffles, do fundraisers for your local community, and then you break out beyond that even further. There's Seattle, there's all the different states. You know, I bring up Seattle because it's one of our biggest rivals, but then you can go to the South. We have so many groups in the South and on the East Coast. And then you can go beyond that to Canada. We have a bunch of amazing groups in Mexico. Their watch parties have several hundred people show up. You can go to Germany, Switzerland, New Zealand, Australia, uh, various parts of Asia, and we could just, the faithful, they're amazing, and they get together, and we like to showcase and reward them for that as much as we can. And then we work with those groups to host 49ers Invasions, presented by Zenny, uh, where we get to meet our fans that may never come to Levi Stadium. They may not ever have that opportunity, but they live you know, within driving distance of one of our opponents, and that we get to spend a couple hours with them and you know, listen to Niner Gang by E40 together and give away some signed gear. I like to bring a couple pairs of tickets to the away games and just really make it rain and make the faithful feel loved from afar. Um, there's those. And then last year we started doing some watch parties in San Francisco, in San Jose. So that way we talked about there's 70,000 people. What do we do with the other millions of people who even just live in the Bay Area? when we were able to bring together a in-stadium-esque experience in a bar in the Bay Area, which is just so much fun. Um, honoring the faithful when we can with our faithful football program for every touchdown that the 49ers score at home, we honor a fan who is just making an impact either in their local community or within the fan base. Tailgater of the game, I work very closely with you on this. We actually go into the tailgates. We find someone who's obviously following all the rules of Levi Stadium, uh, but then they're just having a really fun community-driven tailgate before the game, and we reward them with giveaways and make them our tailgater of the game, put it on 49ers.com. And then the, the coup de grace of the one of the most fun projects that I've been able to take on uh, last season was uh, the 49ers Goldmine. So it's taking all of those groups that I just previously mentioned and finding out what group of 40 within all of those can we bring into every single 49ers home game to really make the impact at Levi Stadium on game day. Um, something that sort of was a John Lynch, Jed York, Kyle Shanahan idea. How do we, how do we, we know this team's going to be good and we want to make sure that we have the best home field advantage. Let's get the most hardcore fans. It's a limited space. So it's only about 40 people, but people who are going to yell for four hours straight. And they're going to get up every time it's a third down. And they're also going to know how to help the crowd hush down when the offense is on the field. Um, and it was so much fun, such a great opportunity to be able to, A, do something fun with the fans, and then, B, really see that impact on the field. And if you may be watching it on the broadcast and you hear the Kittle chants and the Bosa chants and all these different things, and it starts in that corner of Levi Stadium, and in the playoffs we were able to double it, so both corners – we're able to really inspire 70,000 other 49ers fans to get loud and really make Levi Stadium a home field advantage. Well, and I haven't been here as long as you have. I'm heading into my oh, fourth season, but like snaps, snaps, thank fourth you, season. Thank you. Um, the implementation of the gold mine was phenomenal last season. Just the impact, like you don't hear a lot from the press box, which is kind of unfortunate, but like you definitely heard that section and you, you felt its impact, which was so fun. Yeah, it was it was a cool idea that came up in the off season before uh, 2019 kicked off. And they kind of said, I, you know, we think we can pull this off. Do you think you can find the right fans? And, you know, we we had two losses on the season, which is obviously disappointing. Would have loved to have been here saying that the gold mine was undefeated, but we um, – but we were in all of those games and, you know, say what you want, but obviously the team on the field is most importantly, but I'd like to think that the fans have a huge impact on the game overall and being able to help inspire fans that maybe they're on the bandwagon for the first time, or maybe they're international fans not knowing what an NFL experience is like, but if they're seated anywhere near the gold mine, they're like, oh, 
this is when we yell and, and we just we roar and we keep roaring and we keep roaring and we keep oh, okay this is when we're quiet oh it's a touchdown we can roar again <laughs> well they are undefeated at home for the postseason so i think we should add that to the list of yes. accomplishments absolutely no 100 percent the other thing that I found really interesting about the gold mine was how you found the like fan chapters you wanted to start with to kind of get that section running. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest part of it is the organized groups. So the 49ers fan chapters around the world. Um, we obviously have some ones that we're very close with just based on regionally, based on where we've traveled in the past. And it sort of started with let's do some reach outreach. Don't know what this gold mine thing is going to really look like. Let's find out from some of the groups that do frequently organize either bus travel all the way up to the stadium at once, or they're all coming down from different areas around the country. And we say, okay, which game are you coming to? Um, let's see if we can make this work. So a good example would be the Seattle Niners faithful. They were, they've, seen plenty of the Seahawks. They didn't need to see that game again, which was obviously an amazing Monday night game, but they were like, no, we're going to do something different. And they came out for the Carolina Panthers game last year. Uh, The throwbacks, most of them knew it was the throwback game. So they came in their white throwback jerseys and really make an impact. And then the cool thing is, is with those groups, they're all communicating with each other different ways. So then you start to find out like, oh, I saw LA drove up for the Steelers game and Seattle came down for the Panthers game. How can my group from Fresno be a part of it? How can my group from Reading be a part of it? How can my group from beyond that? And we even had a group from Hawaii come in last year and they, they were in and out in like 49 hours. They flew into Vegas, had a night, had a fun night in Vegas, got up early, landed at Levi's, landed at San Jose at like 9 a.m., uh, we asked them to be at the stadium at 10:30. Did a practice run at 11. Kickoff is at one, and then as soon as the game ended, we do get to bring them onto the field, which is a really cool experience. But then they hopped back to San Jose, back to Vegas, back to Hawaii, and just a whirlwind of an adventure for them. And we had them come out for a December game. It was a little cold for our friends from Hawaii, but I was going to say that so seems cool. that's dedication. Uh, yeah. What goes into a practice run for a gold mine? These are fans that know this team in and out. What do you guys go through for that? Yeah, so it's most of the fans that come in, they're they're professionals. They know what they're doing. They know when to yell. They know when to be quiet. But it's it's going through those little pieces that maybe no one's ever known. We had some new traditions last year. So many of the fans listening to this probably know um, for player runouts, the PA announcer will say, and now – at quarterback, number 25, Richard, and then the crowd yells the last name. So it's sort of, we wanted to make sure the goldmine knew what they were doing, so that way they could inspire the other 70,000 to do it right. So it's Richard Sherman, and you're ha- hearing the whole stadium go like that. So a practice run of, you know, if we get a hint at who's going to be the announcer, whether it's offense or defense, making sure people have an idea of what those names are. Obviously, we put it on the video board as well, but get a practice run of that. Um and then I think one of the most impactful things that I think the most aha moment that people have is that when you're on defense, everyone knows that we want to be loud. We want to make an impact. Um, and you hear the doom, doom defense coming from the speakers and then obviously from people's voices. But if you got 40, if you have 40 seconds between each play, that's what the play clock is at. What most people don't know is that the NFL doesn't allow the speakers around the stadium to make any more sound at the 22nd mark when it's counting down. So from 20 to zero is all natural sound from the fans. So that's something that I always explain to people because they don't know that. And it's, you know, for that first 20 seconds, we've got the defense and the claps. And then that last 20 seconds, it's let's cup our hands and let's just yell as loud as we can. Um, And then I think that, has a, a bigger impact overall, but then it really is that education because people don't know it's that 20 seconds. And then they tell their friends who are normally season ticket holders over there and it eventually has that impact like we had in the NFC Championship game. On game days, now that Goldmine is up and running, unfortunately not this year, you know, unprecedented circumstances, but typical year game day, where are you? So there's Goldmine, there's um, the kickoff kid, uh, we have like all the stuff happening outside of the stadium. 
where do you live on game day? Yeah. I mean, we could just run through the routine because it's hard <laughs> to find me on game day until. Oh, I've off. tried. It's um, impossible. <laughs> yeah. It's, we've got a text group and it's like, who's closest to this thing right now? It's, you caught me at the right second. Here I am. Um, I usually, so if, it, if it's a one o'clock, one twenty-five kickoff, I like to be at the stadium around 8 a.m., get to my desk, check everything to make sure I've got all my passes right where I left them. I've got all my uh, notes for, you know, co- points of contact for Goldmine, for Kickoff Kid, for any other special groups that we may have in the stadium. I have it all laid out on my desk, check the email. And then what's great about game days is that we actually um, are able to use the team cafeteria, go down, get breakfast. And that's sort of my meal for the day is right around 8.30 until well after our game has ended. And there's snacks and we have sandwiches and whatnot. But that's really the last time that I really have something substantial. And then um, from there, we go and we set up our – I put the suit on. Got to have the suit on. It's game day. Yep. Look good, feel good, play good. Um, head out to Dignity Health Plaza where we have about 20 game day interns who are out there and they're amazing to work with. A lot of them are in college or have just graduated from college and they're looking to get into the sports industry and looking to sort of feel their way through it. Um, and we have a ton of activations out there. Um, Ryan Dillard, Tucker Baxa, Maddie Blackburn, they sort of help keep eyes on that space the entire time, but it's activations for kids of all ages. We talk about all the different clubs. It's where you can do signups on game days. It's where people can, uh, especially I think it's ages seven to 14, they can participate in some youth football drills. We have our, our 49ers football slide. We've got a measure up. We've got just a full experience, face painting and hairspray for all ages where people can come together, be prepared, get ready for the game, family friendly experience. So then I grab about four of those interns that are doing all those activations, we go out to the parking lot and we meet the goldmine crew because we have to get them in early. We, we have all their tickets. We have um, everything that they need, their giveaway items for the, the game. We get them all scanned in because they're getting early entry so that way we can do that practice run. And we walk them up to the goldmine, explain everything, uh, have that practice run that we talk about, and then we, that's typically when the stadium opens up and then we let them free and we say, hey, let's meet back here at about the one o'clock kickoff, 1.30, so we can be ready for player warmups and different things like that. Then I grab a couple more different interns and we head into the parking lot. So that's what we do tailgater of the game. We're walking around and everyone's like, who's that guy in a suit? Are we about to get in trouble? And really we're just looking around for, again, a family-friendly, community-driven tailgate and hopefully they're having a fun time. And if the barbecue smells good, that doesn't hurt either. Uh, going out there, awarding people tailgate of the game, get a photo of the crew, shoot that over to you so that way it can be on 49ers.com later that week. Come back into the stadium, drop off the interns back to their activation. Then I change into my gold mine gear because uh, you know it would be weird for me to just be up there going crazy in a suit. So I've got my my more casual gear, my red slacks and my 49ers hoodie. Um, and then we get ready for kickoff. Um, which is amazing. And I last year I didn't have a chance to do as much kickoff kid because of all the things that I just mentioned, but uh, I pass along all the information for Nizam, our manager of uh, flag football in 49ers prep. And he actually took on the kickoff kid duties. So he's meeting them outside of Toyota gate F bringing them into the stadium, hanging out on the field with them and then helps them with the kickoff kid experience. And then, sort of uh, escort them back to their seats in, in the stadium as well. So lots going on. Obviously couldn't do it without great leadership that we get from our director of fan engagement and 49ers prep with Jared. So um, he's got his eyes and he's pulling the strings on everything, but keeps us busy on game days. So if you're looking for me after kickoff, you'll find me in the gold mine before kickoff. You just never know. Keep your eyes open. I know. I wish I knew how malnourished you were on game days. I feel like we need to set up like a food drop. You can just like run by and I'll start throwing lunch at you or something. No, I mean, we order these. It's not that big of a deal. It's more of a, <laughs> we have these sandwiches and I eat probably right after kickoff. So 8 a.m. to kickoff, whatever that is. I could do get a sandwich. Otherwise, I'd probably be fainting at the gold mine. And then we've got cases of water to keep our fans hydrated. And I'd probably drink about 10 of those water bottles each game day, just trying to save my throat 
and be able to work the next day. Cause that's the other thing about working in professional sports, especially football is people are like, Oh, you just shift your weekend. Right. And you're like, well, no, no. when we play on Sundays, we're back in office, eight 30, nine o'clock in the morning on Monday. And I've got some, when it's a, when it's a home game, I've got uh, lemon and ginger tea with some honey in it, trying to get my voice back because we're either hosting another home game or just being able to go to meetings and not be, uh, have people laughing at my lack of a voice. Yeah. That's, I think that's the funny thing is people are like, oh, so like nine to five. And you're like, no, no, that's not how this mm-hmm. life is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know this. I think my first ever project that I got to own on 49ers.com was the women's, uh, woman of the Niners launch. So that holds a special place in my heart. And I know that you said the second annual football clinic was unfortunately postponed, but this week you did have the happy hour event, which was a huge success. What goes into creating, whether it is one or any other club, what goes into creating an event? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, it it's really a lot of self-reflection with the organization as a whole and the fan base is what are people interested in? What are the things that we can do? And I know through the years, you can talk to anyone who's been in, uh, in the women's club for years and years. And we've definitely had years where it's like, I don't know why they did that event, but we tried it out and, and we've just sort of self scout and we reach out to the fans. And I think that's one of the big things for where the, um, the women's football clinic store started from is we looked at some best practices. Stanford does an amazing one just up the street. Obviously we have a ton of ties with Sherman and with John Lynch and Solomon Thomas and various players. And then just being geographically close, we use best practices and they're one of the, obviously one of the top universities in the world. Um, and looking at what they do, what are people enjoying? So you're looking within the industry, I would call that in the, in the industry, even though they're college versus professional and then uh, for myself, I'm a big fan of theme parks and just experiences overall. So whenever you can talk to a lot of my friends, whenever I, I'm a Disneyland annual pass holder, and whenever we go, I'm constantly looking around and trying to take notes of things like, okay, there's this exclusive annual pass holder section at Disneyland. What are they doing in there? They're giving you themed recipe cards. They're giving you buttons. They're giving you the opportunity to buy exclusive gear. Does that translate for the San Francisco 49ers, does it translate specifically into Women of the Niners, 49ers Pride? What are those sort of moments where we can do that? And I think that's really what makes our organization unique overall is that we're not just looking at you know, the Indianapolis Colts and saying like, oh, they had a movie night. That's cool. It's like, that is cool. Does it make sense for us? Or would we rather try to create something a little bit more unique that ties to what we're good at and what our brand ultimately is? So. And then you look at what's happening on the calendar year. So for Kids Club, it's sort of easy. When we get into the month of October, everyone loves Halloween. I'm. It's on a Saturday this year, and we're probably going to be in quarantine. It's such a bummer. And a full moon. And, yeah, I was reading about that the other day. Anyway, <laughs> with the Kids Club, <laughs> um, is we can tie what we do best, and that's really teach people to love the game of football with our 49ers prep team. And how do we tie it with that? Well, let's have them all arrive in costume. We get so many great 49ers costumes and it's so much fun, but then you've got a little Chewbacca, the little Ray Skywalker running out there, uh, running football drills. And it's just so much fun. And families are so excited. We get to, what's really fun about the in-person events and what probably I'm going to miss the most out of this year is that we are bringing fans that don't know that they'll ever get to be in the, areas that we bring them to, whether it's a club space at Levi's Stadium, that on game day, you have to, you know, it's really more of a corporate season ticket. And, you know, how do you get access to this sort of experience or bringing people, even if it's just onto the the uh, artificial turf sideline at Levi's Stadium, but you're on the field where the, the legends have played, where the memories are made and bringing people and having that touch point experience, which you can't really replicate, but you can, we try to do that in every single event that we have. And this year, obviously, we've had to get creative. So we talked about the Women in the Niners event. Last few years, we, we like to do a season preview. What can people be excited about this year? And, and empowering women, let's get women to talk about football in front of women to normalize that and really empower it. 
um, which is basically what we did with our virtual event. And we were able to, with our new marketing campaign is bring in you know, one of the leaders of that, which is Ali Dickin, our director of brand marketing and, and have a woman who really planned so much of it, talk to women fans and have it understand what it means and what are the storytelling elements that goes into something like this. And then being able to bring in Laura Britt and MJ Acosta Ruiz and, you know, they're outside of the organization, but they have so many great things to say. Obviously we have a good football team, but so many good things just to say about why people should be excited, um, which is just a great opportunity. And then, you know, as we move forward into the, into the future, influencers are such a big part of the world and, Obviously, 49ers fans are everywhere, and we've got some of the most famous 49ers fans in the world, some of them that are here frequently, like E-40, and then you have these rising stars like the rapper Sweetie, and she's so excited to be connected with our brand overall, and for her to want to spend and you know, do a 20-minute interview virtually while she's on the East Coast, so it's past 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night, and wanting to log in with us and really have a moment with our fans is super unique, and that sort of is what's special about what I get to do is bring people together and this year in the weirdest way, virtually, but um, being able to have people who have shared common either experience or interests and recognize it and empower it and hopefully get them to want to stick around and be a part of more 49ers events going forward. Well, and bringing people together who have a common interest is unbelievable but creating a group that no other professional sports team in the world has already had in our 49ers pride what goes into not only deciding like yes we're gonna do that but then launching it yeah it was um a lot a lot a lot of research um the big it's better and there's no there really was no best practice in uh, not to toot our own horn, but there still isn't really a best practice. And hopefully, I mean, I think the ultimate goal is to have a domino effect across the NFL, North American sports, professional sports, sports around the world. So that's the ultimate goal of having something like that. But when it comes to the launch of it is uh, being in the Bay Area and the San Francisco 49ers and the amazing community driven mindset that we have, and it starts at ownership all the way down is we've been involved with San Francisco Pride and, and a bunch of different LGBTQ plus activations, events, groups through the years, sort of having support from a sponsorship or financial uh, support level. And when it came to 2018 San Francisco Pride, we had an opportunity to activate and we did an amazing job. It was sort of last minute that uh, we got the offer. So we put it together and had an amazing representation up there. And then we sort of said, well, this was cool. Why don't we, you know, if we had more than two weeks to, to plan something like this, we could really do something unique and special. And we started thinking about what that could be and, you know, what is that going to be? Is it going to be, you know, staff, which is what a lot of you are seeing now more in professional sports is that they're having staff get together and you may even see a couple players or alumni come and join their local pride marches so something like that but you know what if we actually brought fans together and i think that's sort of what we do overall with fan engagement is bring fans together and that was the iteration of we have fans we have staff we had an alumni we'll bring in sourdough let's bring as many elements of what it is to be part of the San Francisco 49ers, whether you're a fan or part of the organization, and be able to really celebrate a moment in time, which is every every June is Pride, so we get to celebrate that. But then, you know, really usher in that domino effect. And before we were ever were on Market Street with the Pride Parade, is that we decided to launch 49ers Pride and have it be its own group. And what does that mean? Are you doing it just because it's the you know, it's the sort of cool thing to do now. Pride is so fun and cool. No, that's not what this is about. This is about really bringing together and empowering a group of people that we can be honest in professional sports have been historically ignored, but we know that there's fans and we want them to be there. And we got so many great messages after the launch of folks who were season ticket holders since the early days of Candlestick. And they're saying, you know, I never really thought about it, but 
no one has ever said thank you for being a fan and being a gay man and being here until right now at the end of may of 2019 and they just wanted to say thank you for you know finally being that welcoming beacon from the organization which was really special um and then it's what did but what does still what does that group mean obviously you're doing a lot of stuff around pride month but this is, is meant to be a, a group that can be celebrated and have different moments throughout the calendar year um, would have done probably a little bit more stuff if it wasn't for the global pandemic but um for last year we we you can't really control that yeah <laughs> but last year we were able to bring a watch party to the castro we uh had an amazing event up there for our game against the Cincinnati Bengals week two, and which was obviously a very fun game. Um, it was an early game, but we got the community to rally and join us up there, which was really fun. And then we've got some other plans that I'll just sort of tease that we do still have for this regular season. Um, and then what are those balancing, um, you know, social events versus philanthropic events, and then really pushing the needle on on um, normalization and empowerment for athletes, especially with the 49ers, we put such an emphasis on um, just youth in general, whether you're an athlete or you're more academic inclined is really empowering youth. And when we sort of take the Venn diagram of impacting youth and impacting the LGBT plus community in the middle, we can empower those young athletes. There's so many different athletes that are you read all these heartbreaking stories of folks who are afraid to be who they are. And being able to have 49ers pride, I think, is just an important aspect of being able to say, we're the San Francisco 49ers and we accept you for who you are. And we're one more person that can inspire them to be themselves, which can ultimately lead them to being the best version of themselves, whether they're an athlete or anything else. And hopefully we get to a point where it doesn't, it, we can all just be ourselves and no one's going to hate or judge or anything like that. And I think that's sort of where we are with this. And, you know, we always get the questions about, you know, can you do a pride night and can you do this? And it's a little bit trickier because we have so few games, but we are listening to all the different feedback and we're making uh, the right moves and meetings to have those conversations and figure out what that could ultimately look like. And just excited to see what we can do. And hopefully we really can be sort of the, the domino effect. I know the league has looked at us as, as a best practice past uh, whatever 14 months or so, and they're trying to catch up with us and they're hoping to inspire the other 31 teams and then beyond that. So just really excited about where we can go with that. You've mentioned quite a few events um, for all the different groups. Would you say that it's more challenging to put together an event at Levi's Stadium for one of the clubs or an evasion elsewhere? Um, I think they all have their unique challenges. I wouldn't say that either one is more difficult. I think your level of understanding what the event is going to look like definitely varies. When you're at Levi's Stadium, you can do a walkthrough. We have our offices you know, there so we can kind of see and picture it and plan versus when you're with an invasion is – I've never been to New Orleans, but I've always wanted to go. And I know that there's a bunch of great venues and we have amazing fans that live out there and you can have calls and meetings and talk to the, the people at the venue. And, but ultimately you're still going into it a little bit blind. Um, so there's a little bit of butterflies as you're flying out there and you want to make sure you don't forget anything. So it's definitely a little bit more blind when you're doing the invasions, even though you have pictures and venues and FaceTimes and what have you. Um, so that's always unique. And, and when we get there and we do a walkthrough and it's super fun. And then it, I think the, the most, I don't want to say funny, but one of the great moments whenever we do walkthroughs for invasions is that, you know, a lot of these venues that we go to, they're sort of circulating through fan bases throughout the year. And especially with, uh, New Orleans being such a destination city, when different teams come to play the Saints, uh, people want to host events. So we were at the House of Blues last year, and we did this walkthrough, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we had Carolina Panthers fans here a few weeks ago. They, like, sort of took over the patio area, a couple hundred people, and we're like, that's cool, yeah. We're expecting about 1,500 people, and they're just like, 
yeah, yeah, they sort of told us they were expecting a thousand. <laughs> they ended up with 300. And then we show up on Saturday and about two hours before the event started, there's a line throughout the French Quarter of 49ers fans trying to get into the venue two hours before it starts. Two hours into the event, they're still trying to get in. We're trying to figure out how to get giveaways to every single person at the door and raffle tickets and and obviously make sure that it's a safe environment as well. And it's just one of those funny things. The owner of the House of Blues came up, she's like, so if you guys come back here in the playoffs, which we're like, no, that's that's cute. We're going to get the number one seed. Um, but if you guys ever come back, like, we'll just give you the whole venue. We're like, yeah, probably probably a, a good idea. And and so that's always sort of one of the funny moments where the expectation is theoretically unknown, but we know who the 49ers faithful are. They always show up, and they like to have a good time, especially in destination cities. So uh, we, we always know they're going to show up. Yes. And that leads me perfectly into, I thought we would do like some quick hits to finish off. So my first one is what is your favorite thing about the faithful? Oh, wow. There's so many great things. Um, What I really love about the 49ers faithful, I mean, I grew up in it. It's that sense of community and it's, it's, this is going to sound a little cliche, but it really starts at ownership and that's where you see it in the fan base. You've got people at the very, very top who are amazing philanthropists and they want to do so much with the 49ers Foundation, so much with community relations and 49ers prep and 49ers EDU. And you, and as a fan, you see that and you're inspired to do something. So then you have groups in Sacramento who do a weekly raffle where they sort of have their own fifth version of a 50-50 where some of it will go back to their club and then they give back and, and they'll do toys for tots across the country and then ultimately it's a family and there's something so unique and it's throughout all of sports, but especially with our fans is that they want to get together every single week. And it's like a family reunion and the off season is long. Even when we go to the Super Bowl, from when it ends that first weekend of February, there's not another 49ers game until August. If you're lucky, we didn't have them this year. So you have the NFL draft and you have different moments around the year, but all these groups, they, they're such a tight knit family and they end up hosting barbecues throughout the summer and they invite different clubs from different States to interact with each other because they met at an invasion or they met at a home game or an away game or different things like that. And it's just so unique to see a group of people that, especially for the folks that are out of state, they may have no reason regionally to be a San Francisco 49ers fan, but they, they caught on whether that would be in the glory days and they just saw the 49ers on national television all the time. Or maybe it was a, a grandparent or a parent who relocated from the Bay Area to somewhere else in the country and they have their loyalty to them and that's 49ers. That's why they're called the faithful. Um, and they, they see someone wearing Niner gear and they want to be a part of it. They want to welcome them and really enjoy it. I think one of my favorite things in just as a fan growing up is I think I was maybe in college and we went to Disneyland on an NFL Sunday and I was watching the game in the ESPN zone. And then we went back into the park and it was so funny. I was with my friends through college and it's, I'm wearing my Vernon Davis jersey. This guy's probably wearing uh, a Frank Gore jersey and we're just walking through um, career country. And then we just high five each other and keep going. And they're like, Oh, did you know that guy? I was like, no, you don't need to know who that is. They're, they're part of the faithful, they're part of the 49ers family. And that's, that's my favorite part. Long-winded answer. It's supposed to be quick hits. Well, I said, uh, sorry. No, that's fine. As someone who did not grow up a 49ers fan, I was definitely like I walked around Miami a lot when we were there. Anytime I was in 49ers gear, they were like, <laughs> Niners! And it was just such a cool feeling to be a part of that community that like as soon as you kind of put the emblem on, all of a sudden you've gained a family of millions. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's one of the cool things about – our travel for the invasions too, because you're, you're an enemy territory. It could be in Seattle and you know exactly what that means, or you're landing in new Orleans or Houston or, or anywhere. And you're just, you're in the airport and people are kind of hanging out waiting for their luggage. They're all repping their gear and they're just got butterflies ready. And they're like, Oh, what's up? You must be in town for the game. And then ironically, it's very funny to hop in an Uber or Lyft immediately after like, so what are you in town for? Like, <laughs> Like, Have really? you been looking around? <laughs> Everyone's wearing red. We're, we're taking over. 
what is your favorite project you've worked on in? Oh, I had a feeling you might ask something like this. Yep. Um, yeah, I had, again, another tough question because I've been fortunate enough to be a part of so many great, great projects. Um, I mean, it's easy to say anything related to the playoffs. The first time that we went to the playoffs in my uh, now going into my sixth season here at the team. So that was obviously extremely exciting. I was so excited to see the red end zones for the first time at Levi Stadium and be able to double down on Goldmine and really have those unique moments where we can do something special, whether it be the watch parties, which we had also never done before. Uh, so that was obviously very just special as sort of the fan inside of me being able to do things like that. I obviously love going on the road for 49ers invasions, love traveling in general, uh, love taking over another team's building. That is, there's no other feeling like that. Um, but I, I think it ultimately is, it's that moment that you can have, and this might be the experience I have working at Disneyland where it's, you know, you see a family that's trying to take a picture on game day or at a kids club event or at a women of the Niners event, any event that we have. And maybe that's their only time they ever think they're going to be on the sideline at Levi stadium. And, you know, there's, they're looking around and they're trying to take a selfie, but it's kind of awkward. And you just are able to come up and say, Hey, can I take this picture for you? And, and, you know, life is so unique and, and special and, and precious. You don't know when, what that picture might actually mean. So I think that's one of the, one of the more special things is that, a, we get to create these experiences for people and then being able to have those special moments within those experiences where, you know, it's a memory that lasts a lifetime that they can hold on to forever. And, you know, you hear so many stories of, you know, this is so cool to be here and actually this picture. And that's my sister, my adult sister, who ended up passing away a year later. And this is the last picture we have together. And you're just, oh, my gosh, this is this is really the impact that we can have on people's lives. And it's, it's special and unique. And I know it's not technically a project that I've worked on, but that's probably my favorite part of what I get to do. But it is a special thing that you get to go out there and build relationships and kind of make, make the 49ers faithful and make the fan base that actual family atmosphere that it is so famous for. Yeah, it's, it's extremely unique. I'm, you know, I think all of us in the sports industry kind of have to keep our head on a swivel when it comes to career building and understanding what it can be. And you obviously get questions from friends and family, like, would you ever consider doing this or moving here or doing something like that? And, you know, and a lot of reflection and we're all professionals to figure it out, but it, part of me is just like, I've grown up in this, like, and now that I've, I was hired when I was 22 and I feel like I'm staring 30 in the face now. It's like, wow, I've, I've become an adult within the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know what that would mean to ever do anything different. Um, so it's special. I'm, I'm so fortunate to be able to hopefully have an impact and just have the opportunity to tr attempt to make an impact with our fans. And so far, I think we've done a pretty decent job. We can always do better and, great to have a team to reference, you know, you come up short in the Super Bowl, obviously you have a great year, you still want to be better. Same thing with every event that we have is we're looking really hard and at ourselves and what could we have done better? What could have been cleaner? How do we fix this for next time? How do we, how do we make sure the URLs are actually working correctly? Oh, um, different things soon, like too that. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Final question. Most important question of the entire podcast uh, drum roll, please. <laughs> How many times last year do you think you heard Bang Bang Niner Gay? <laughs> well, the funny thing is the song didn't even get revealed until what, late October? Yeah. Um, well, the events that I run, typically uh, we do have DJs and people typically love to hear that song. Um, so at any, let's say three hour event, I probably hear it at least 12 times and we do i'm not that great at math so i'm not going to try and add this up but just factor that in and then you go out to the tailgate every home game to figure out a tailgate or the game and as soon as you get out of earshot of one person playing Niner gang <laughs> someone else is playing it and then you're like wait why don't the lyrics match up you're like oh because there's a third tailgate playing it at the exact same time um no it's it's so much fun um 
there's so many great 49ers anthems through the years, whether they're fan-made, uh, professionally done, like the great E-40. Um, and it's just it's so fun to be able to hear it. So I heard it quite a few times. It was a long off-season. I realized I hadn't heard it in a while. I think you, know, you don't hear it for a while, and then we sort of played around with it during the draft and then really hadn't heard it until maybe like two or three weeks ago. And then you just hear that. Like, okay, we're getting ready for this. We're, we're finally getting back to football. I'm excited. Let's, let's hear it another 49 million times. Not sick of it. Won't ever be sick of it. We'll never be sick of it. As long as, as long as it's inspiring the fans, like it was last year, it's always going to be welcome. And Bang, bang. Let's do it again. Let's run it back. We are going to have to do a part two at some point because I feel like there's so much we didn't touch on. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing what you do. And we'll have to do this again when we can have in-person fan events and I'll get back together. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I'm so fortunate. I Big shoes to fill to try to follow up Al Guido on the podcast. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, you know, I was interesting enough for some folks and um, yeah, would love to to come back and, and chat about what I do. I love talking about the team, love love uh, talking about our fans too. So anytime, let's do it. And I can't wait to get back in office. That way I can come bug you and the rest of the digital team for <laughs> a few minutes as we're walking through the 200 level. Also, everyone go to do Trivia Tuesday presented by SAP on what September 22nd 49ers.com slash trivia Tuesday yeah great plug here's the host <laughs> of, here's the host of uh, that that shows a pretty pretty fun guy um, yeah we didn't even get to talk about that or tail crate the in high demand tail crate um, yeah we're working on some really fun stuff for the faithful this year did you get a tail crate oh did I get a tail crate? Was yes. it really good? I saw a lot of the faithful tweeting their pictures, and I was very jealous. Yeah, uh, I I get tweets every single day. People asking for more. It's just such a, a unique idea. I think it was after the draft once we sort of slowed down a little bit. Quick, quick story. Uh, my boss Jared Moyle just was like, "Hey, let's let's come up with some creative ideas. We've got some time. We never usually have time. Let's see what we can do." And sort of scoured the internet for different things. And that's where you get ideas like Trivia Tuesday and Tail Crate. And it's, you know, people love subscription boxes. And one thing people can do from afar is, is do a virtual trivia. So let's, we've got a rich history with the 49ers. We can have some fun stuff. Let's, let's do it and see what people do and enjoy. And Tail Crate obviously was a massive success immediately. And we are working really hard to figure out how we can get more out there for those who are still curious. And then, yeah, tune in on Tuesdays. It, it's going to be fun. We're going to try to incorporate a lot of fun things. And then we've got signed jerseys and different elements and giveaways for the whole year. So if that's sort of something you're interested in having fun and, and 49ers memorabilia, then maybe tune in. Yeah. Okay. For real this time, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on. Of course. <laughs> anytime, like we Haley. Just, we could just do this forever. This is just great. 